podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. David! Gagan! We're back again, and this time, we might be just signing a player, something you've been asking for, for a long, long time. <clears throat> An attacking player, should I say. Yes. That's exciting, that's off the charts, that is having a tremendous season, or at least half a season this season. And um, I've spoken to two experts in the last couple of days, well, in the last 24 hours, and both of them have been raving about him. The second who supports sporting, uh, sporting sorry, is literally like so happy that he's leaving the league. He's leaving the league. He's happy that he's leaving the league because he is the game changer, right? So I think we're going to have somebody on the show today that's going to be saying something very similar. So that's my cue into the returning uh, old school Anfield Index contributor mr marco lopez how are you doing marco welcome back i'm good thank you how, how is everybody and uh, dave nice to chat to you again mate yes mate it's been a while it's been a while <laughs> i think it's a good place to start dave uh a fan of portuguese football marco um maybe you can ask him some questions as well as we as he kicks off but um marco you're a benfica fan i think everybody that knows you or follows you We'll know that they're they're yeah. in a final tonight. So good luck. I just wish Tom can do, uh, can do uh, good luck as well. And he's he he's, he sent his regards to you too. So a bit of a continuation in pods if you're listening to the pods this week, folks, from one to another. Um, but yeah, so I got a view from him on Luis Diaz, and I'd like to hear yours now. You know, you usually you're kind of like on the other side. You do, you know. I'm I'm wondering here: Are you going to give me a positive view on this fella or not? So come on, then. What do you think okay. of Luis Diaz? <laughs> yeah. So so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw up a disclaimer because the last time I I got stuck into you know talking in in detail and waxing lyrically about a player from Portugal. He's not Markovic. Don't worry. No, he's not. No, he's not. And 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 I want to stress uh, for any any people who um want to sort of come at me again on Twitter and just remind me of that. Um yeah. Uh, and 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 I maintain I had very good reasons to say what I said about Lazar Markovic, but anyway. Uh they will remember as well. But no, Luis Diaz is different and I think even though I'm going to apply my usual lens of caution around Portugal's a very different league. Uh, a lot of the defenders are, are are not up to not up to scratch, so you can't necessarily uh, do I think uh, Luis Diaz's favorite move of moving inside is going to be challenged a lot more in England? Hell yes. But uh, there's a couple of things that I love 
Uh, and I love to hate because keep in mind that, uh, you know, I've had to see him play for, uh, he, he's been celebrated this season pretty much as the best player in Portugal, which is is saying something. Um, and two things I love, probably to stick out about about him for me, uh, he's got speed. You can't teach speed. Speed is, is just one of those things. If you've got speed, there it is. Um, so the fact that he's more than happy to run at people and, and, and take them on is, is, is fantastic. But I think the other thing that I love, and, and I, I promise I'm trying very hard not to draw the comparison. I'm not, it's just a coincidence that they shared the same first name or similar first name, I suppose. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think there's an interesting similarity and dynamic around uh, a certain South American that I've enjoyed in Liverpool shirt before. Bit people. I, but, 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 <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> I whilst people don't see the don't see it, I saw it in more body movement than style of play. There was some things that he did does, or what I've watched of him so far that he does that really from afar. Because some of the camera angles from the games in Portugal as yes. well are really far out, so it does give you that look that it's it looks like Suarez. It looks it like does. Suarez. Yeah. But but it's 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 not it's not so much. I mean, we'll come to playing style. I'm sure in the detailed conversation. But I think, but but it's the temperament gags. This is a this is a guy who you know I've I've had the displeasure of watching him in in, in a couple of classicals against Benfica. And the reality is that you know if 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 anyone's who's sort of paid close attention to the Portuguese league recently, they would have seen. I mean, Porto are handing it to Benfica every single time they get in the pitch. Uh, I'm not I'm not so shy to to admit that. The point is. Part of the reason that that happens is because Porto get on the field and they don't need a crowd to intimidate the opposition. The players just completely see it. They absolutely get in Benfica's faces. They rise to the occasion of the game. It's the same thing again in, in, in the game against Sporting uh, recently, albeit Sporting's just in a much better phase, so they, they handle a bit, a, bit, a bit better. The point is, Luis Diaz is not scared of people. He's not scared to get in your face. He's not scared to take you on. He's, it doesn't matter how slight of frame he looks he he takes people on and and he's got he's got a tremendous sort of character and hunger about him and i think that's that's the temperament that makes me the most excited about seeing him here because i think this is someone who's going to get in people's faces not be afraid for a scrap uh in in a very good way uh because i think you know when we i don't make jokes about character because we could uh, derail the pot into a whole other conversation but i i think you just need to listen to the to the excellent uh, discussion you had uh, last night with with Simon um, about where this kid comes from, and ought to have a knack of finding these kids. Uh, you know, kids who've 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 got a lot, a bit more of a chip on their shoulder, things to prove, and and Luis Diaz is a, is a perfect example of that. So, in 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 just in those two respects, we can talk more detail playing style shortly. But. Uh, yeah, I think I think this is someone who you'd expect when the chips are down to just keep fighting. Uh, because if if nothing else, given the task that's on Liverpool at the moment in the league, that's all we'd expect, right? Let me let me hang there for a second because I'm sure Dave wants to pitch in. No, I, f- I fully agree. I, I think that that extra edge that he has is really important, and that's that's also what drew me to compare him to Suarez originally. And then as I started to watch him more and more, it, it's that ability to just create something out of nothing, that flair for the, you know, the unpredictable, the unexpected. He scores all manner of goals. He takes on players in situations where normally you just pass out of them. 
but he he doesn't just want to beat opponents. He wants to humiliate them. He wants them to submit to his will, <laughs> which is something that we saw with Suarez. And I think he has that side of Suarez. And then I think if you look at the basic rudimentary parts of his game, his pace, his ability in transition, his tracking back, that all mirrors with what we see from Sadio Mane. So that's why I've been saying for months now, he reminds me of a hybrid of Mane and Suarez. I think you could you could make a comparison to Frank Ribery as well with his close control, his ability to beat multiple people in small areas. He's much more of a goal scorer than Ribery, who was primarily a creator. But Diaz yeah. is a creative player as well. So I, I really do... Th- now, I'm not saying he'll get to the level of any of them. By the way, Dave, but- it's interesting you said that because Tom said... A couple of his goals reminded him of Robin because the way he cuts in and yeah, goes on the other Yeah, you know what he's going to do. That's the thing. Like, there's times where you're watching him and you can see what he's going to do, and the defender knows what he's going to do. The issue is that he's very, very difficult to stop, especially in 1v1s. It's very, very difficult for a defender to live with him because he's got quick feet. He's got that really good close control. He, despite the, as I said yesterday, despite the skinny frame, he has that sort of tough, wiry nature to him that you see. We, we see it with Sadio. Sadio's really strong for a guy his size. Mo is probably the best example. Like, pound for pound, there's probably not a stronger player in the league than Mo. And Diaz has that as well. He's got a really good center of gravity, and he's not going to back down. Like, he will get into a scrap for the ball. And all of these things combine to make him the ideal complement to the front line that we already have. Like he just, he fits the mold of what we buy in those wide forward areas. And just to throw back to something Marco said earlier, if we bought Lazar Markovic now at the age he was and the player he was coming out of Benfica with Jurgen in charge, I've no doubt in my mind he'd be a success because Jurgen would use him properly. Brendan Rodgers thought he was a wing-back. So Lazar Markovic's failure at Liverpool is 100% on Brendan Rodgers, not on anybody else. You're going to reopen that wound, Dave? But yes, but, uh... I am. I'm going to get the knife out, cut it open, I'm going to get a big-ass uh... spoon, and I'm going to dig into it. But... but uh... So, so I think I think the, the the other element as well that that I think we we also need to just keep in mind um, is stylistically, I I do think you know if if you look at just sort of generally how how Porto approach and and I think this is one of the only caution marks I'd I'd sort of raise. You got to remember that Porto have just enjoyed a a substantial level of dominance again um, ever since. Uh, Benfica, as soon as they get, got rid of Bruno Lage, uh, with all this horrible stuff behind the scenes, uh, nonsense that's happening. Uh, if you're close to it, it's just it's just a mess. But um, Porto have just snuck straight back into into contention. Uh, the rest of the league can't handle Porto, right? So I think one of the things you've got to just keep in mind, and I think this is some of the important elements that we've just got to see in terms of his incubation. Luis Diaz is obviously going to have to get used to the fact that uh, he's going to have to work a hell of a lot harder to to fit into this team, to fit into Liverpool structures, uh, what defensive responsibilities look like, uh, overlapping with, with with Robertson, which I think is fine, just because obviously his tendency um, is is obviously to cut inside anyway, uh, Diaz that is. But uh, we just got to keep that in mind because it's obviously part of the. So 
I, I'm not saying that I don't think it would be a success immediately. Um, my, my nature is naturally to be cautious, but I do, I do, I do sincerely hope that if if it doesn't sort of come in guns blazing, people just just consider that there, there's a certain level of responsibilities and difficulties not used to. Uh, I, I don't want to understate that. We don't need him to come in all guns blazing straight away. This is the perfect time yeah, to be buying exactly. him because we've already got four good forwards. One of them is the best player in the world right now. One of them is having an outstanding season in, in Diogo Jota and is, is elevating his own level. And while Sadio and Bobby aren't the players they were a couple of years ago, they're still good players, very, very good on their day, and they're still having good seasons. So he can come in as the fifth forward with minimal internal pressure. Forget external pressure. Forget fan expectation, because we know little of that matters when you're in the building. Jurgen is great at shielding the players from those. From this that, this will keep them fresh, Dave. This will keep well, them on exactly and probably fresh. You know, like when and, they come and you've in. You've also got we've got big news today as well in that Harvey Elliott has played in a behind closed doors friendly against Wrexham. He's scored. He's got an assist. Now we know the plan seems to be for him to play as the right side at eight, but he can also get some minutes in the front line if and when we need him. So it's another option. We've still we've got Cade, who's another option. We may keep Divock. Who's another option? So we don't need Luis Diaz to come in and translate immediately. The aim with Luis Diaz is going to be get him in, bring him along slowly, give him the odd start, give him appearances off the bench, get to the end of this season. We see where the chips fall with Sadio and Bobby in terms of contract negotiation. He gets a full preseason. Because there's no World Cup nonsense in the summer. It's in winter next year or, or the, this ne- next season. So he gets all of that time with Klopp, with Pep and Linders. And by August, that's when we're looking for Luis Diaz to hit the ground running. So he basically gets an eight-month free hit. Because normally you sign a player... In the summer, you bring them in, they get the few weeks of preseason, and then we see Klopp start to integrate them in. We saw it with Fab, we saw it with Andy Robertson, we're seeing it with Kanate now, where he's very, very cautious about putting players in. He wants them to be able to adapt to the pace of the league, the style of football, the physicality. So there's no rush on Diaz. He gets all of this time to just settle in to find his feet, to adapt to the new surroundings, the new way of playing, the demands of Klopp. And it's, I said this yesterday, it's worth, it's worth emphasising. He's coming from a manager who's very demanding in Conceição. He's not coming from a manager who's known for cuddling his players. He's coming from a manager who will shun his players and not speak to them if he feels they're not working hard enough and not putting in the effort. So he's used to demands in training. That's Which supremely will help. important, by the way. Yeah, it, it, massively. Did you just to quickly just to quickly put in? I think I think that's also why, um, you know, Gags, you mentioned that Tom is celebrating that he's leaving. So am I. I mean, Benfica have no chance of winning the league this season. But uh, uh, I'm, yeah. This the, the, this this guy was a pain in the ass. Um, so, so from that perspective, um, it's 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 good to see him go because he he fits 
there's two kinds of Porto players. Uh, players who, who get like the real temperament of the club and players who get sold um, because they, they, they just didn't, didn't work out. Mm. Um, and and this, this kid is definitely... I mean, I mean, you can see from the... I, I tweeted some of the reactions. The club is furious. Sergio Constantin is furious. They're very upset with losing him. That should tell you everything. That's the thing. They are. They're devastated. And, like, I, I spent far too long in that Twitter space the other night. But aside from all the stuff about the, the Colombian journalists and the Portuguese journalists who were talking in it, and like I said yesterday, I came out of it and went when I eventually went to bed, I was thinking, it's not going to happen. It's just one of these things that blows up and then it blows away and he'll end up at Spurs. But the overriding thing that I took from the space was the Porto fans who were devastated. And, like, you have to remember, they've had great players in the past. They had Falcao. They had Jackson Martinez, who was brilliant there. They had Joe Moutinho. They had James Rodriguez when he was there. He was sensational. They had Hulk. They've had these tremendous players, all of that team that won the Champions League under Mourinho. They're used to their best players leaving. They know it's going to happen. The same with Marco and, and Benfica. Like, Marco's wise enough to know that when Benfica have a great player, like Darwin Nunes is turning into a great number nine He's for next. them. He's next. He, he, yeah, they will sell him because that's the model of the club. Buy them, develop them, sell at a big profit and reinvest. And that's how they say, stay sustainable over prolonged periods. Although but these Porto fans were devastated to be losing Diaz. And many of them were saying, what we're doing now is we're handing the league to Sporting because they will now catch us. Diaz is the one who's been our match winner and gotten us to this point in the season where they're unbeaten in the league. They're top after 19 games, six points clear. Yeah. And they're saying this is basically handing the league to Sporting. That's that's the devastating impact they're mm. feeling right now, which speaks volumes to me. Because, like I say, they're used to players leaving. It is just the nature of Portuguese football that they can't. It's 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 a dreadful shame because you'd love to see Benfica and Porto be able to hold on to those players and become major players in the Champions League again, the way they have been in the past. But the nature of the beast is that that's now a feeder league for the Premier League. La Liga and Serie A. That's yeah. just where they are. They're, they're kind of in that pool with the French League and the Bundesliga, Bar Bayern, obviously, and PSG, where they have to sell these players. And yet they're still devastated. They're, they're still shocked that this is happening. 100%. Just by the way, I mean, to, to sort of support that point, uh, you can imagine how irritating it is for me uh, supporting Liverpool and then seeing for the Benfica alumni at Manchester City. Uh, many of whom are now celebrated as some of the best players in the league. Um, but anyway, let's uh, <laughs> let's let that rest. Uh, yeah. So, so I, I think Gags. I, I don't know what else you wanted me to sort of uh, hit on, but I just, yeah, it's an exciting move. I think he's going to work. Do you think? Do you think it's going to be a success? Have you got any kind of? You do. I do. Okay. I'll I'll put my neck out. I know people will sort of. Uh, I'm not going to sort of tweet out articles and and sort of you know ten reasons why. Uh, Lazar Markovic will work out. I'm not going to do that again, but uh, <laughs> I think I think it's 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 pretty it's pretty clear. Uh, I just there's there's just significant differences between uh, Liverpool then and Liverpool now, and and also uh, it's 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 
it fits in with with what a lot of people have been correctly noting. Uh, Diogo Jota, it's not when Liverpool signed him. It's not like um, it, it was explicitly you know to fill a gap. Firmino was there and is still there. The same thing with Sadio Mane. So I think there's a significant wisdom. Uh, I also find the timing interesting. If if this is about you know for example bringing in cover for Apcon, one it doesn't make sense because it's actually only 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 one one and a half months. But uh, but from a long term perspective, the longevity of it, it's an interesting move because it does make you realize they're thinking about it. Hopefully, yeah, they're looking at the next three, aren't they? Up front, they're, they're, or, or a group, you know, of four. That's what they're doing. They're, they're slowly. Jota came in quite young, actually, twenty two, twenty three years old. It's it's quite. Mm. He's still young now, which is mad, right? So similar age then now to to uh, Diaz. So what they're trying to do is just get the next five years sorted. They've done the first five, right? The next, it's the next five now to go and continue to be dominant from an attacking play. Because look at look at the this year we started amazingly, haven't we? Like the start was superb in terms of Bobby was firing, uh, Mo was firing, Money was doing well, and and Jota was just a rocket as well. So they they want a similar kind of Jota feel now, as in another player that can just come in and start like that. And what Dave said is perfect. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have the pressure. I don't think, actually, the players that come in now that play with this group of the, the, the players we've got, just because of how they are and how they behave, I don't think that pressure exists. They come in, they're made to feel at home, and that's why these big guys that come in, that 30, 40 million, for, you know, it's not probably a massive fee, but for, for Liverpool it is, they come in, they settle, and they just start scoring. Yeah. Jota came in, settled straight away, you know, now Diaz is going to come in. He's going to he's going to have Bobby, Fab, Jota, Allison all put an arm around his shoulder. Yeah, you know, That's and Tafarel as well. We have this South American and Spanish Portuguese speaking contingent, so he's he's going to feel at home. And the thing as well is like what I what I really like about Diaz is is the mentality side of it. I mean. Talent is talent, but talent is no guarantee of success. Lazar Markovic is the perfect example. Like, as bad as Rodgers was, if Lazar had had the right mindset to go with his talent, then he would have been a success regardless, because the talent was unquestionable. The unfortunate thing for him is he couldn't take the knockbacks, and that has become a recurring theme in his career. You see it as well with Karius. There's no doubting Karius is a talented keeper, but the mindset's not there. He's not mentally tough enough to overcome big setbacks. Luis Diaz has been overcoming big setbacks in his life since he was a child. And he keeps fighting, he keeps overcoming. And when he went to Porto, you could see it in the first few months. The talent was absolutely there. And you could tell he was one that was working hard. But what became very apparent really quickly was he had made a decision. I'm going to be the best player at this club. And then I'm going to be the best player in this league. And right now he's the best player in the Portuguese league. Last season, I would say he became Porto's best player. This season, he's the best player in the league. He's not going to walk into Liverpool and take a look at Salah and Mane and the rest and go, oh God, I'm out of my depth there. He's going to take a look at them boys and say, right, two years time, I'm the best player in this group. He's going to set himself that type of goal because he has that mentality. Suarez was exactly the same. Suarez had a similar kind of upbringing, similar path, like a roundabout path to us. Obviously, he, ended, he you know came from Ajax, but 
He had a couple of stopgap moves along the way. Groningen, bizarre move for him to make, but it was the move he made that propelled him to Ajax. This, this propels him here. From for Diaz, it was you know um, it was uh, Junior in in Colombia on to Porto, and this is just the natural next step. And at twenty five, just turned twenty five as well. He's only entering his prime years. So I think you're right, Gags. We're looking at this from along. Like people will, if he has a little bit of a slow start, people will start judging and say, oh, what what were we doing here? But the thing is, we're not buying him for the rest of the season. Anything he can add from here is a huge bonus for us because the original plan clearly was to buy nobody in this window. And Diaz was a summer target. We're buying Luis Diaz for the next five and a half years not the next five and a half months. So people need to keep that in mind if he does have a slow start, is that he's signing a long-term deal. And the plan will be, you know, he comes in, Jota's already in-house, Mo will extend his contract, Cade is coming along behind, and perhaps in the summer we will go and buy another attacker, maybe a Matthias Cunha or somebody of that nature. I'd love it to be Darwin Nunes personally. And get that, you know, real number nine in. Who Tom can made lead a, the line Tom made a great point on the last part. I don't want to spoil it, but I suppose if you're listening in order, you it won't be spoiled. I'll be repeating, but I don't think but either of my colleagues have listened to it just yet. But he just said that this could be a move where literally in three years' time, a Barca or a Real Madrid, and he did say, if they get themselves sorted out, their shit sorted out, come in and say, here's 125 million. Mm. Can we have? And, and and you know what? For Liverpool, that's fine. Yeah, because when he's twenty eight, we, we we double our double our money on him or whatever it is, or maybe triple, and say, yeah, okay, we'll rebuild again and we'll go find another. And that's the interesting part that he was. Tom was like, I can see this guy go there. That is where I see him mm. coming to a club where he's going. He's gonna. He's fearless. Same as what um, Simon was saying. He's fearless. He doesn't get scared by anyone. Where he's coming no. from. He's not scared. He's going to go for it. And if he reaches that level, then why not? That's fucking amazing. Great. It's, it's so, just a brilliant move for Liverpool, man, this is. It is. That's the thing. Like The thing is, in the last couple of days as well, since this all, well, the last day and a half, I've gone back and watched both of our games against Porto. So I spent yesterday afternoon and watched both of our games against Porto in the Champions League. And... It's not that he played well in either game. Like, he was better at Anfield, I thought, than he was in Porto. But the thing about the game in Porto is he could easily have scored and he created a big chance for them as well. So even in a a performance where he wasn't at his best, he's still getting in areas where he can score goals. He's creating opportunities for others. He gave James Milner fits. And people came away praising Milner for what for what he did in that game. It was down to Diaz overrunning the ball a couple of times, making a couple of bad decisions. But even when he's doing those things, he's still such a threat. And you could tell that at Anfield, we had very much identified him as their potential match winner. And we were very cautious about where we allowed him to have the ball. And yet he still had success. But... One of the things Sam Maguire highlighted um, yesterday, I think, in a recent pe- in one of his in one of his Patreon pieces, was he's also really good in the air. Like he's really good in the air, coming in off the blind shoulder of defenders to get on the end of crosses. 
And now he's walking into a club where the best right-sided crosser in the world is going to be playing that ball to him yeah. every time. And we've seen Sadio have great success off those Trent crosses. Well, Diaz is even better in the air than Sadio. Sadio might have a better spring, but Diaz is a more forceful header of the ball. And he's more aggressive in the way he attacks the ball as well. So that's, I just I just don't believe, see right? how this guy doesn't work out for us. I, I really don't. Like, worst case scenario is a situation where we're selling him in three years for 60, 65 million. But the thing is, Gags, people always say the whole thing about Real and Barca. Let's be honest. We're a destination club now. We're not what we were when we signed Suarez and Coutinho. We're not that stepping no. stone anymore. We're a place players can come and have the pinnacle of their career. You don't think Mo Salah could have forced his way out the door a year ago, two years ago, and gone to Real for huge money, gone to PSG for huge money, Virgil the same, Alisson, Fab. These guys want to be here now. I think the way we play... I think the way we play football as well, I think you can tell the players enjoy it. Mm. It's a lot of fun. It's literally go and express yourself. Yeah, we've got a we've got um you know, we've got tactics and we've got a system or whatever, but it's designed to get the best out of the qualities that we've recruited for a player. Exactly. So, so Marco, I just don't see how, you know, what Dave's saying, anybody can argue from that, the destination point. I, I was gonna say I'm obviously to your point, uh, we need to listen to what Tom said, but I, I don't, I don't really. First of all, Barcelona is in way too much trouble. I don't really agree with uh, with that being being sort of the case. Uh, and then, from a Real Madrid perspective, if you're expecting Luis Diaz to dispose of uh, Vinicius, especially where he's playing from now, I I doubt it. Uh, I'm not saying he's better or worse. I'm just saying like th- th- there's going to be way too much investment in what Real Madrid want from uh, Vinicius in any case. So. If Luis Diaz works out for Liverpool, he's going to hang around and hopefully he hangs around for a while. And I just want to sort of link, reinforce something that Dave uh, mentioned earlier. I think where where things look a lot better for Luis Diaz at Liverpool is that he is not getting that kind of service from a fullback sort of creativity perspective that you know he's going to enjoy now, particularly from someone like Trent Alexander-Arnold. My only gripe might be is that I just think from a midfield perspective, if... You're not having someone like Thiago uh, or, or Navigated sort of pinging in some of those some of those three balls that he likes to cut into at times. That he he may struggle to get into games, but at the same time, again, something that that Dave's mentioned, which I also agree with, is that this is the kind of guy who can you know he's m- m- maybe to his detriment sometimes he will try and do it all himself. He will try and create his own shot. Mm. But it's also because he can do it. So that that immediately does give you this the sense of he's going to unlock things, he's going to create havoc, he's going to get fouled, he's going to create more opportunities for free kicks. Which, by the way, uh, he's not too bad at either. So there's there's a again there's a lot to like, and 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 I think he 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 should. You're the first person that person that's men- mentioned that out of the three that we've talked to so far. That's he's the a, first, he, yeah. So, so one or two, what? one or two, but. Taken one or two. Has he scored from them, or just no. have just been good? Right. Not, okay. No, not from what I recall. But uh, but every now and then he's because obviously again there's a there's a picking order. Uh, but but I think <laughs> I think yeah. But I think it's it's just interesting to sort of you know his his goal scoring abilities are quite diverse. Uh, the 
Dave's also right to mention the heading as well, uh, because he does have. Uh, I think it's 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 far less about sort of the spring, as Dave says, and far more about the fact that he is able to ghost into positions. I don't want to draw this comparison because it's not perfect, but but I will, in a sense, is that he's he's kind of like your 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 wide player who a wide forward style who sort of sits on the shoulder a little bit and mm. and scares defenders just by the fact that they're there, which is strange. Suarez used to do it, and Suarez wasn't necessarily fast. But, you know, defenders would panic just because, oh, my word, it's Luis Suarez right next to me. So I think, I think there's a lot to like in terms of what he can, what he can uh, bring what, to that table. One of the big things to, to remember as well is, like, as Marco said, at Porto, he, he often has to create his own shot. And they tend to build quite heavily through him. He's involved in a lot of their attacking moves. We build down our right. We don't build down our left all that often. Our left side is more our counterattacking side. So he's going to be getting service. Like he's going to have Thiago or Naby or Curtis behind him in that left-sided midfield role. All really progressive passers. All will want to play that ball into the channel for him to cut behind the fullback. But he's not going to have to be constantly involved in the build-up because that right-hand side, as it's shaping up to be, will be Trent, the most creative fullback the game has ever seen. Harvey Elliott, who is a pure playmaker, and Mo Salah, who, as well as being the best goal scorer in the league, is also one of the most creative players in the league. And they're going to draw so much attention. That right-hand side of ours is going to bring, is really going to shift the dynamics of how teams have to defend against us and shift the geometry of the field, which means Diaz is going to find himself in situations that he rarely finds himself in with Porto, one-on-one. He's going to find himself isolated on fullbacks at the back post. And one of the really underrated parts of his game is his off-ball movement. He's really clever with the way he angles his runs. He times them very, very well. He's more than happy to bend a run or to dummy a run one way and cut the other way and leave a defender confused as to where he's gone. And he's going to get lots and lots of simple opportunities that when you look at the goals he scores for Porto, he doesn't score many tap-ins. He doesn't score many simple goals where the ball comes to him in space. He's going to get loads of those opportunities at Liverpool. Take players on, go around them uh, and and do a great finish, you know. And and the other thing is, Dave, that you're saying he's going to get loads of time. The first, this season at least... People are going to be focusing on Jota and, 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 and Mane and, 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 Mo. and Mo. And, like, you know, he's got a great chance to just glide in there and then be feared but next year himself. But then that the opens it up for everybody else. If we're bringing him on on 70, can you imagine being a defender in the Premier League and having just spent 70 minutes chasing Salah, Jota and Mane around? And next thing, this lunatic is coming on who will run and run and run and run at great speeds. Like, it's going to be absolutely horrible. We've often looked at other clubs, Manchester City, you know, it's 70 minutes, they're chasing a game, and oh, they're bringing on Raheem Sterling, who's, you know, one of the best players in the country, or they're bringing on Phil Foden, or Bernardo Silva, or Riyad Mahrez, a former footballer of the year. Or back in the day, Sané, when he used to come on. Or Leroy Sané. Yeah, and, and now we have that option. And not just one. Like, if our front three on a given day 
is Mo, Bobby and Jota or Mo, Bobby and Mane, well then either Mane or Jota is also on the bench. So now there's two of them to bring on. You know, it's going to give us so many more options. And we've also seen Klopp play about a little bit with playing four forwards. Well, now he can do that and still have one on the bench. Do you know, because it used to be the few games where he tried it, where he'd play, say, Jota and Mane wide and then Mo and Bobby to the middle or or Mane and um, and Mo wide and, and Bobby and Jota to the middle. And then when he needed to make a change, he'd look at the bench and, you know, with the greatest respect, it's Tacky or it's Divock, neither of whom he clearly fancies all that much. Well, now he's got this guy to come on. Or maybe this guy is starting and he's got one of the other options to come on. So it does just open up a whole new bunch of options for us. And, of course, Harvey can also play in a front four in in a wide area. Cade is developing into a player. Like, just... Allow me to read out this potential team for us for the rest of this season. Allison and goal. Trent, Matip, Virgil and Robbo as a back four. Harvey, Fabinho and Thiago as a starting midfield. Salah, Jota, Mane as a front three. And then a bench of Cuevin Kelleher, who we know is a Premier League calibre goalkeeper. And for the first time in most of our memories, probably since Diego Cavallari, it's the first time we've had a Premier League caliber goalkeeper as a backup. Joe Gomez, who, when fully fit, is probably England's best centre-back. Ibu Kanate, who might be the best young centre-back in the world. If not, number one, he's in the top three. Costa Simicus, who is probably a top six or seven left-back in the league. Naby Keita, who has been brilliant this season. Jordan Henderson. Curtis Jones. Bobby Firmino. And Luis Diaz. Like, that's an, an unbelievable match day 20. That doesn't yeah. even include certain players. Ox is not on there. Kay Gordon's not on there. Like, that's a backup right back and Cade. So Ox maybe is the backup right back and Cade is the third attacker away from being like a mid table Premier League team at worst sitting on the bench. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to come to Marco with, really. Marco, the, the, we're going to shift away from Diaz, but what Diaz does to the squad and also with this second half of the season now kicking off after this uh, winter break or whatever we want to fucking call it, international break, rubbish. But uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm thankful for it because I got to get on pods and talk Diaz. But um, selfish reasons aside, if you look at what's coming now onwards, you've got Diaz hopefully joining, well, most likely joining that that front, you know, five, six that we've got. You've got Thiago, Cater, and Elliot coming back as midfield options. And you know what? When you see those names and you know what quality they bring, that excites me enough on its, on its, on its own, you know, Marco? And then you look at what's coming in terms of the latter stages of the Champions League, which we love as fans, which the players love uh, to be involved in. Then the, the title race, kind of if we win that game in hand could be wide open we're in a cup final already we've got a really easy game in the fa cup to get to the fifth round and once you get into the latter rounds there it's game on but when you've got a squad you can take everything seriously marco and i just want to know about your excitement of how this squad has now developed if everyone's back fit and everyone is ready from next sunday onwards fuck me this is exciting 
It is, and 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 it sort of feeds into it to one of the points that I wanted to make. Uh, I, I made it on 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 the Nina uh, Nina show last last time I was on. Uh, you look at you look at city. I mean, rudimentary sort of straight line math. Uh, their run rate is ninety four points, right? Liverpool's run rate is is eighty three, eighty two. I think this would be the opportunity to see them actually sort of exponentially sort of step on the gas a bit because even though I even though there's very little margin margin for error, I think you Liverpool owe it to themselves to put distance between Chelsea and make Manchester City sweat. If nothing else, because let's keep in mind, you may also end up bumping into them in the Champions League. You may need them to to be softened up for 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 league matches or vice versa. So uh, I, I know some people have even suggested, I mean, strictly speaking, Liverpool are in four competitions. Uh, we can dream. I, I, I don't want to rule that out. <laughs> but fundamentally, just if nothing else, humor aside, you owe it to yourself or Liverpool owe it to themselves to make sure that they at least try. Uh, and and they have enough enough sort of attacking momentum to to do it. Uh, they've scored the most goals in the league. They're the best scoring machine in the league. This only makes that even more potent. Uh, to the extent that the defense starts performing better, not that it's performed terribly, uh, you you really do, don't have a lot of reasons to 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 to, to see that Liverpool can make Manchester City sweat in the in the second half of the season. Uh, I think I think really the only fundamental concern I'd have is. Mo, how sustainable is everything that Mo does? Uh, if 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 he can sort of keep it up, because I mean, obviously playing for Egypt is very different from playing for Liverpool. And I mean, I I haven't watched too many of the, the matches in fairness, but uh, I don't yeah. worry about Mo. I honestly don't. You know why? Because okay. he's literally been the one consistent factor for the last three or four years. And on top of that, I think you're adding. My, my personal view is that Mo is waiting for players to sign. And, and you know, before he signs his contract, he's the happiest I've ever seen him. Like, since the start of this season, never seen him so determined, so focused. And whether he's fighting for yeah. a contract or whether he knows I'm going to sign it, I just want proof of him buying someone. But he's literally just nailed everything in front of him. The, the performance levels of Mo right now are off the charts. And if he can go all the way... In 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 um, Afcon, great for him because he gets if he wins it and they and and he gets that trophy, that will solidify him as as in the eyes of the idiots who don't already know it, you know the biased people that he's not won something on the international level. He'll go for that Ballon d'Or, that FIFA trophy, you know those things that he deserves, the individual stuff. But he'll come back to Liverpool like another on another plane. He's already on another plane, but he'll be even higher. And if that happens for Mane as well, either way, it doesn't matter. Either of them. I think with Diaz joining, you kind of don't mind it now. Because <laughs> you're like, right, let's throw Diaz in for, for a game. You feel more confident now as a Liverpool fan that Liverpool have done something here. I think if you say anything, the only thing short is a backup, a real backup for Fabinho. Because when he's not playing, we, we re- and like Thiago's not there, it's hard. And then a backup for Trent, right? So yeah. the two things they need to do in the summer or over the next few windows is those types of things. And, 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 um, and another midfielder as well. So three kind of players still needed to make this squad wonderful, like something that we've never experienced in our lives. I would say four gags. I'd say we need four. Backup right back, absolutely. We we need a backup right back. And it does look like Nico's going to move on either 
before the end of this window on a loan with an yeah. obligation to buy or in the summer. So a backup right back is is definitely a priority. Just find a right-footed cost to somewhere good to go. I think we need a starting caliber midfielder who can play instead of Thiago alongside Fab or in, or in place of Fab when he needs a rest because there's only certain games you can really play Jordan Henderson as the six in because defensively he's just not up to it and his legs are clearly gone. So Chuameni becomes, for me, target number one for the summer. I think you've got to go and get him. I don't think Ornstein writes about it if we're not well down the road on doing a deal for him. Now, I know Chelsea are confident that they can get him, and I know he's been linked with Real. But let's be honest, if you're a young, up-and-coming midfield player, would you rather go and work for... Real Madrid, where you're going to fall into a rotation where they're still going to play Modric, Cruz and and Casemiro, and your primary role is Casemiro's role, who's the youngest of those three, and still at the peak of his powers and probably has another three, four good years left, or Chelsea, with their track record of ruining players that they bring in. like Look at all the big money buys Chelsea have made in recent years and tell me the one that's worked out for them. They just, it doesn't happen for them for whatever reason. And he's at Monaco. So the last midfielder they sold Chelsea was Bakayoko, whose career has been completely derailed by that move. Or Liverpool, under Jurgen Klopp, with this incredible group of players, with Fabinho, who came from Monaco, so whose path you can follow and emulate. Because remember as well, someone like Chumeni at 22 we could get five great years out of him. And at 27, Real Madrid is still there. Like, if he's a great player at 27, Real will still be there. If you go to Real and lose two or three years of your career in a squad role, your ceiling drops drastically. So I think Chiuameni is someone that makes a massive, massive difference for us. Even though I've said Harvey is that right-sided midfielder, I would love us to go and get Rafinha. Because I think he can play that role and also be another option in attack. So if Sadio does move on and Diaz becomes a starter, well, Rafinha can be the starting right-sided eight. Yeah, so and hybrid eight and, and, yeah. and um, 11 or whatever you want to call it. And 11. And I also think we'll need a centre-back. Because right. I think Joe Gomez will go. Now, again, that's not a necessity because Joe may well stay. But I think Joe will look to move on because he's fourth choice. Yeah, and he's I think that will happen though. If Joe goes, they won't leave it at three again. They won't. No, so they that's won't. Fine. They'll, they'll, and they'll at have the moment, someone in mind. Yeah. At the moment, I think if you keep it, if just say Joe, Joe stays, if Joe stays, we need three. Yeah, I we agree. need three definitely. Well, but, like, yeah. if if you could, you could maybe look at doing a two-year loan for Cade to get him regular minutes somewhere. And maybe we bring in another attacker like a, a, a Matthias Cunha or something like that who can play more regularly for us. Because remember, Cade's timeline, he's just turned 17. So by the time he's, say, 20, 21, Mo is 33, 34. And Cade can, come, can be sort of, you know, the one who spells Mo and eventually looks to replace Mo if, if he translates to that level of talent, which... Based on the early signs, he looks like a very special player. So, but three is a definite, like right back, one in midfield, 
as a, a more defensive-minded presence because that's what we have missed this season. Like, the one weakness in this team has been the transition defense in midfield. It is largely down to one player, but it's also down to the absence of a player. It's down to the absence of Wijnaldum, who was so special in what he did for us, so underrated, so underregarded, but you really see what we miss when he's not there. Thiago can mitigate that, but he doesn't play enough. And I don't think Klopp trusts Naby all that much. So maybe the move is, maybe Monaco would have interest in Naby they have before. Maybe there's a deal to be done in that regard. And then maybe, you know, you just start to add a couple more, like a Har- like Harvey, like Carvalho would, would be the would be the fourth. So you could go back up right back, Chuameni, Rafinha and Carvalho. If that's the summer, or if not Rafinha, somebody of that kind of ilk, that's an unbelievable summer because now Carvalho is another option in the front three. He could potentially play as an eight. If we do shift shape and want to go 4-2-3-1, he's a natural fit as a 10. So you could look at you know a cheap young right back like a Jaden Bogle from Sheffield United. Carvalho will be four or five million on the tribunal. Maybe you get those two things done for 10 to 12 million. Chuameni would be 45, but maybe you mitigate that with getting 25, 30 for Naby. And then Rafinha would be 60, 65. Mane probably brings similar enough. And then maybe Ox goes as well to make up the difference. Like the, doing that wouldn't cost us uh, much money because say Naby brings say 30. Let's just say 30. Ox could bring 20. That's 50. Um, what's his name? Nico might bring 10 and Mane might bring, let's just say 50 to be conservative. That's 160 million. Sorry, no, it's 110 million. If you can get Bogle and Carvalho for 15 combined, Chiumeni for 40, 45, that could be 55, 60. And then Rafini, you're talking about about a 10 million net spend. A 10 million net spend in the summer. Sounds very FSG, get. mate. Sounds very it FSG. Doesn't it? And like the, the <laughs> thing about the great thing about this Diaz deal, and this is where the real genius of those who work behind the scenes comes in. We're going to pay for Diaz in three lumps of 12.5 million. 12.5 million this summer, 12.5 million 2023, 12. 12.5 million 2024. Remember, Porto owe us about 12, 12 and a half million for Marco Grujic. So we're not actually spending anything until 2023 on Luis Diaz. And if we do that kind of summer where our net spend is negligible, and also Nat could, will probably go in the next couple of days and Taki may well go. So that will mitigate much of the Diaz fee. What that allows us to do is rather than, you know, the money that's allegedly been put away to refresh the squad, you hold that you push it to 2023, and then you go for one big target, one really special player who can elevate us and keep us charging forward for the next decade in Jude Bellingham. Because Chiumeni can come in and be, you know, uh, a backup to Thiago and Fab, get plenty of games in those roles. Long term, you're looking at him as the replacement for Fabinho. 
wouldn't Jude Bellingham be really nice as the long-term replacement for Thiago in 2023? Thiago's contract ends in 2024. We're not going to re-extend him. He'll move on. And Jude slides in after 12 months of, you know, a a more squad-based role where he's not necessarily an every-game starter, but probably starts the majority. And then you end up with a long-term midfield of uh, Rafinha, Chouameni and Bellingham with Harvey and Curtis as backups. And then maybe you'd want to add another one as a long-term depth defensive midfielder or whatever. But that type of way, you're only looking for one big outlay, which by 2023, that will be one big outlay in nearly six years from these owners. Mm. That's not Mm. much to ask. And the the thing with with a, a a deal like this here is, this is the kind of thing we've been asking for. Nobody has been asking for Liverpool to go and sign a Jack Grealish or pay a hundred million for a player. All we've been asking for is to maintain the squad and give Jurgen Klopp a real fighting chance. Not having him fight with one hand behind his back as he's been forced to do over the last couple of years where yes, we've had a great 11 and yes, there's depth if you count mediocre players as depth but we want to see a great 11 and then like 11 good to very good players in terms of backup depth that's how you compete with City you don't need to match their spending you need to do more of what you've done before we have built our team on in comparison to City a relative shoestring that's where the brilliance of our recruitment has come from being able to do these things without the massive money that Chelsea or City or United can spend. Look at our 11. Look at what was built without the kind of investment that those three clubs have. There's no reason there couldn't have been more of the level of investment that has been put in previously. Since we won the Champions League, the net spend was, or that we made a net profit of 13 million. Like that's unacceptable. That's all people have been saying. And, we were people were saying, "Look, you've left yourself short in midfield the way you did at the back last year mm. by not replacing Wijnaldum." That has played out as fact. That's why we're not top of the league. That's why we've dropped so many points in so many games from winning positions because our transition defense was so poor because of the midfield. A Ginny replacement or an extension of Ginny would have mitigated that. That's what people were asking for, not to leave Jurgen Klopp short, and. Now they're taking victory laps, these same people, because we've signed a striker. Oh, you, the FSG out brigade will shut up now. Well, hang on. You haven't been proven right. <laughs> Clearly, Jurgen Klopp and others thought, well, we're a little bit short here. We, we want this guy. Let's go and get him. Like, I, the mindset of some people is bizarre. But, like, not to derail this into a negative podcast or anything, because this is a, a very positive day. And we had lots of great news over the last 24 hours. We had the Diaz news. We mm. had the Harvey Elliott news. Mm. We get the great news that Nicola Barella, who's Inter Milan's best player, is suspended for both legs of the Champions League tie. So yeah. that's massive for us. And we get more great news last night when it's announced that Frank Lampard is about to become the Everton manager. <laughs> so, you know, we have one of the best managers in the world. They are appointing the worst manager in the league and may well go down. Yeah. And what, what can a I, can I, can I, can I, can I, 
Okay. Go ahead, Marco. Jump in. I'm gonna book in. I'm gonna book in your positive. So, <laughs> I, I I don't know what's be the best. I mean, there's lots of best things about Luis, the Luis Diaz deal. I obviously, from a Benfica side, I'm thinking, yeah, he leaves the league and Porto, who are in financial problems, it's exacerbated. Lovely, but then you've also got this dynamic where um, it looks like it was stolen from under the the noses of Tottenham Hotspur, which is beautiful. But then it also had, and I think, Dave, I, I need you to do what you, I know you're going to do. It exposed a certain Twitter journal uh, for... What a segue. What a segue. <laughs> no, this I just, is, I, is I, when I you used to be the host of the AI pod. Oh, I'm warming no, up I, on this one. Oh, yes. I, I, I just... Give it to know, me, Marco. Come on, tell me who he is. Look, look. Uh, a, a certain Fabio Romano, um, and I know I'm butchering his name. I don't care. Pronunciation, whatever. Yeah, I think I think he to, to say that he got this wrong is an understatement and uh, just deserts. But the thing is, you know, he's he's been a bit of a I don't know. This is this is like one of those guys from a journalist perspective who've who've lived on on Twitter fraud for uh, uh, sort of stages for ages. Um, do you have anything to respond to this, Dave Hendrick? Oh, I do, I do. First of all, let's give a shout out to all the patch journalists who woke up on Friday morning in a blind panic that they knew nothing about this deal happening and were forced to send off tweets at 7, 7.30 in the morning and then throw together articles trying to fluff some insight later in the day. But Romano, I mean, what a guy. Look, there are certain clubs that he has a bit of an in with because he's grown such a big profile by telling lies, by stealing other people's work, by, you know, the tap-in nature of what he does, that he has attracted the dregs of Twitter to follow him and parrot what he says. And because he's gained so much of a following, he's gained power in that regard. And he's got more Twitter followers than a lot of football clubs have. So he's been able to translate that into relationships with certain football clubs where, you know, I'll be your base. Uh, he's basically a PR agent now rather than a journalist. I will push whatever it is you're selling to a bigger audience than maybe you're capable of reaching. And that has its benefits. He's also kissed the backsides of certain people. And top of that list is Paratici at Spurs. So he gets information directly from Paratici because he's probably the only Italian in the world who thinks Paratici's good at his job. What Paratici did at Juventus was a disgrace. He took the best-run club in Europe and sent them charging towards hundreds of million pounds worth of debt through a series of some of the worst signings you'll ever witness. Ronaldo, Ramsey, people of that nature. Dreadful, dreadful business. He sold off good players. He bought in crap. And he eventually they pushed him out the door and he went to Spurs. And Romano wrote a big profile on him, kissing his arse, talking about how hard he works. And from the people I've spoken to who know Romano personally and dislike him immensely, they said basically he does have a relationship with Paratici. So he does get information from the Spurs side of things, which is why he was the first one with the exclusive recently on Giovanni Lo potentially going to uh, Leon. He has no contacts at Leon. They've embarrassed him a couple of times this summer, but he's got contact contact at Spurs. So that's that's to frame who he is. He has no contact at Liverpool, none at all. 
He tried to. He knows that Liverpool are a huge club, and any tweet about Liverpool gets huge engagement. Say, same with United. No contacts there. But if you remember back to the summer of 2020, he went from like 800,000 followers to 3 million followers that summer, basically spinning lies over and over again about Jaden Sancho to United. When there was no Jaden Sancho to United deal, United never really made an offer and never even discussed personal terms. But Romano told United fans day in and day out, things were progressing. And all of it was bullshit. But people followed. And because people followed, his following grew. And more people looked and went, well, he's got 3 million followers. He must be legit. Now I'll follow him. And that's kind of what it is. A spoofer becomes legit by spoofing people into following him. But he's got no context at Liverpool at all. Nobody at Liverpool speaks to this guy. So when he tweets about Liverpool, it's purely to try and get engagement, get big numbers on retweets and likes, and get people talking about his name. He's been wrong about a whole bunch of stuff to do at Liverpool. Remember last summer, he piggybacked off Ornstein's reporting on Kanate and tried to make out he had information, but he didn't. What he does is someone will report a news story and then he'll drop in the same report as them or the same words as them and then say he's signing the contract until... And he'll just add five years to whatever year we're in. And that's the contract he thinks everybody signs. So last summer he said Liverpool will definitely sign more players after Kanate. And we didn't. And we never even came close. So clearly he was making that up. This time he said only days ago there is nothing between Liverpool and Luis Diaz. Nothing. Since this move has come about, he's gone on his YouTube. And what he has said is, I saw this clipped on Twitter the other day. He said, Liverpool have watched him four times in 2021. Right? First of all, that's bullshit. We don't sign anybody that we've only watched four times. Secondly, he said, the head of scouting at Liverpool is the one who pushed this move. Again, we know that's nonsense because we don't identify players by the eye test. We identify them through the analytics. We confirm them through the eye test. So Barry Hunter's not the guy who's given the green light on Luis Diaz. It's Ian Graham or Will Spearman or somebody in that department that have really given the big push on this guy. He thought that Spurs were getting him. And Spurs did think they were getting him. Multiple really well-placed Spurs sources and journalists have come out and said, Spurs really thought they had this deal in the bag. They, the first fee was knocked back. They spoke to Porto. Porto told them, look, this is what we need. This is what we need from this deal. And Spurs said, okay, we, we, will, we will come back on that amount. We just need to get sign-off from Joe Lewis. And at some point in between that, we've just gone, well, we wanted him in the summer. We're not going to let Spurs have him. Let's jump in now and get this deal wrapped up. The player clearly was pushing for Liverpool as well. And that's a big, big factor as well, is the player wants to be at Liverpool. He doesn't want to go anywhere else. He wants to join Liverpool. So we've jumped in and gotten this deal done. And it's a beautiful thing, because if you think back to when Rodgers was in charge, we had Willian basically signed and sealed, and Spurs jumped in and robbed him off us. Now, in a beautiful exit stage left moment, he then fucked off across London and went to Chelsea instead. But if if Spurs hadn't 
stolen him off us, Chelsea never would have gotten involved. So we would have had him. So this is just us paying them back for that. And it's a beautiful thing. But because football has a funny way of working itself out, they're actually stumbling themselves into an even better fit for them with Kulisevsky. Because they already have young son who plays the same role as Diaz and has similarities in his game to Diaz. They could have moved Son to the right side, but you're not going to get the best out of him there. Kulisevsky fits on the right side as a left-footed right-side attacker, who, by the way, Paratici also signed for Juventus. So he knows him well, and he clearly rates him very highly if he's going to sign him for a second time. But this is all working out for us. And yeah, we can laugh at Spurs and say we stole your target, but it's also potentially working out really well for them. And that's good to see, is that they've reacted well to this and not just thrown the toys out of the pram. But Romano, like, the guy is a spoofer. The guy is a spoofer. There's just, just no way around it. He's, it's hilarious with him. It's very similar to Guillaume Balaga. Do you remember when Guillaume Balaga sort of appeared on the scene in English football? And just immediately people accepted his opinion on Spain, Spanish footballers, and all things España as gospel. And nobody questioned him for years. He just spouted absolute nonsense pretended he was best friends with every Spanish player in England and, and that he had all the insight in the world. And then you speak to Spanish people and they're like, everybody in Spain thinks he's a joke. He has no respect in Spain at all. Romano's the same. Nobody in Italy respects him because in Italy, Gianluca Di Marzio is the guy. He is the god of transfer news over there. And, what, and Romano was basically a runner for him. He used to go and stand outside hotels and wait till he saw an age and then he'd text back and he'd tweet nonsense. He just took what DiMarzio does, added a bunch of fluff, bluster and spoofing and took it to a global stage. But nobody in Italy respects this guy at all. But yet in England, because he's got a, a five o'clock shadow and a fancy accent and a fancy name, people just think, oh yeah, Fabrizio Romano, he knows what he's talking about. No, he doesn't. And this deal proves it. Because two or three days ago, he was saying there's nothing between the clubs. Liverpool have watched them, but they're not really going to, not really interested in buying him. And then two days later, he's, oh, no, yep, they've, they've been watching him. And it's, this, it's he's, he's a bullshitter. He's a bullshitter. He's a bullshitter with a big fancy catchphrase and a profile in the New York Times, the author of which should probably hang his head in shame. Like, imagine going to journalism school, to, to university, getting a degree, working your way across a bunch of high-level newspapers, and then writing a profile on somebody who you have to know deep down is a complete spoofer. You have to know. Now, I, I get that the New York Times have probably said, look, this is what we want to do because it'll get engagement. But have a bit of dignity. The whole thing, he might as well have grabbed the lube and the tissues and just put out a picture of his penis like it was a joke I'm mortified for you dave we want to give you a bit of a break because you've been going for the, the the that's i i missed that like like we, we've had the positivity we've had a proper class rent thank you dave even uh, no, with no, no, i'm very bell positive end, today bell end, very week, positive bell end of the week went to went to Fabrizio. bell end of the week okay well then well then um can we quickly talk, uh, Dave mentioned it, but I'll, I'll quickly say some words about what will no doubt be a future bill into the week, because I think there's um, uh, some future poetic justice 
Uh, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have anything against the man. I suppose he was he was a great player. But I suppose just because uh, I was always on the other side of the Frank Lampard versus Steven Gerrard debates, uh, yeah, uh, Frank Lampard is not my favorite. So um, I, I would imagine we're going to have a lot of a lot of times uh, enjoying um, him him being on the sidelines and hopefully being very disappointed at any and every Merseyside derby that that comes along. Uh, yeah, but he, it, he it, shouted it at Klopp that one time, so like he's clearly yes. Everton through and through. Well, th- this is why he's got the totally. job. He's literally been he's on his CV, shouted at Klopp once, yeah. got him the Everton job. It's a bizarre like, decision. It's a bizarre what decision. What else would I mean, his CV say, Gags? Like, talk, dude, uh, talk people, over Derby, who finished sixth, spent a load of money. Though? The journalists, though. The They're all his mates. His crowning achievement. Yes, but anybody, like a blind man could have seen Mason Mount was a special player at 18 19. Frank Lampard's managerial CV, CV is as follows. Took over a Derby team that finished sixth, spent yeah. a load of money, upped their wage bill massively, and finished sixth with some of the worst metrics you'll ever see in your life, and then bottled the the playoff final against a, an inferior Aston Villa team. Was By the way, was given that job because his uncle is Harry Redknapp and Harry called Mel Morris and said, give the job to Frank. And Mel doesn't know anything about football, so he agreed. Then he got the Chelsea job purely because his name is Frank Lampard and nobody else wanted it at that time. He was given credit for working in difficult conditions. He took over at Chelsea. That's not difficult. Cleaning yeah. the toilets at McDonald's is a difficult job. Managing Chelsea is not. You have everything in the world you'd need. Transfer embargo. Pulisic had been signed in January. He got to make Kovacic a permanent deal. And he got Mount, Tamori, and Tammy Abraham back, who Sarri and didn't have use of. To begin with. Yeah, they finished third and won a Europa yeah. League. He finished fourth. And only finished fourth because Brendan Rodgers bottled the top four with Leicester. Then he well took that same Chelsea team, spent a whole load of money, and had them in ninth. Thomas Tuchel took over and won a Champions League five months later. So that tells you the quality of players where they won a Champions League in five months under Tuchel and Lampard had them ninth. He shouted at Klopp and that's basically it. And like the other option for them was Duncan Ferguson, whose CV reads as follows. Was the most expensive player in Britain when he moved from Dundee to Rangers. He flopped at Rangers. He's the only player I know of who was sent to prison for assaulting someone on a football pitch. He went to Everton. He flopped at Everton. He went to, he forced his way out to Newcastle, flopped at Newcastle, went back to Everton, flopped again at Everton. He keeps pigeons and he beat the piss out of some fellow who broke into his house. And if I've missed anything, feel free to let me know. But they're the CVs of the managers that Everton had decided were the guys to save them from this relegation. That's, that's the funny part. It almost makes, I, 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 I can only assume that, uh, that, 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 that someone with common sense uh, interned at Everton for maybe 10 minutes and then they said, hey, this Carl Ancelotti guy looks good. We should get him. Yeah. Because every other decision they made makes absolutely How do you go from Carlo Ancelotti to Frank Lampard in, like, what, two years? Uh, Paul Joyce has wow. just tweeted out, Everton have formally offered Frank Lampard the next manager's job, the manager's job. Negotiations ongoing and expected to be cl- concluded in the next 24 hours, which means... 
he's going to be appointed on the 30th of January, giving him a day and a half to try and sign players because they've been pricking about for, what, a fortnight now since Rafa got sacked? Beautiful. They're they're a shambles. They're the worst-run club in the league. And I genuinely think, all messing and banter aside, I think they could go down this season because he's a bad defensive manager and they're desperately needed someone to sort that defense out. And he's not really an instant impact kind of guy. So I'd be massively... And the best part is, Stan Collymore tweeted out yesterday, looking for Everton fans' opinions on Lampard. Go and read the replies. The delusion that these people have wrapped themselves into is amazing. He promotes young players. Does he really? Ask Callum hudson Adoy <laughs> about his promotion of young players. Like, literally... Reese James and Mason Mount were going to make it regardless of anything. But Fakayo Tomori got binned off under him. Mark Wehi's one of the best centre-backs in the league this season. Never got a chance. Uh, Trevo Chalaba has been excellent this season. Never got a chance. He was replacing Tammy Abraham before he left. Like, I'm sorry, Mason Mount and Reese James aren't examples of promoting youth the common sense it's like when people used to credit gerard houlier for giving steven gerard a chance you, you, what are you talking about and it's not ex- exactly like everton have the same type of academy as chelsea like it, it's it's such a bad appointment he's he is immediately the worst manager in the league when he takes that job the, it's a beautiful the, thing the, the the weirdest thing i, I did just Dave, quickly your thoughts. Um, I, I, not that I'm an Everton fan, obviously, uh, but I would imagine that when a, a name that would have made far more sense, I don't know if you would have wanted to take it now, uh, would have been Graham Potter. I think Graham Potter has done, done done great work where he is. Yeah, but, I think you would have had to get to get to the summer and then and then go for yeah. Potter. He wouldn't leave now. But the name that made sense now, even just to get them till the end of the season, was is Ernesto Valverde, two time La Liga winner with Barcelona. A career of taking over bad situations and getting the very best out of everybody, adapting tactically to what he's given, and grinding out results. Now, look, they should still stay up because there are four really bad teams in the league. Watford, Newcastle, Norwich, and Burnley are really, really bad. So if Lampard keeps them up, it's not because of anything he's done. It's just because he's done the bare minimum. He will be lauded for it, and Jake Humphreys will break out the lube, and he'll try and credit him for it, and then he'll go back and waffle about you know how Frank Lampard built a Champions League winning team. But keeping them in the division is not going to be impressive. If he gets them into mid-table, but we want maybe. him to do that. We want him to do that. I, I would like them to, to stay up just so we can, yeah, so we can stay yeah. there and be really bad next yeah. season. This, this but, is very important. This is the same as the Solskjaer conversation. You. Like I, I, I still, I, 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 I shed a tear that day. Uh, yeah, Solskjaer was fun. Um, yeah, the only, I, I, the only manager that was more fun was David Moyes. But, that's why I, I, you know, when when Ranieri was sacked, I was happy because he took Ollie away from us. So I hold a grudge now against Ranieri and every seed breeding generation of his family because you robbed us of at least another couple of months of Ollie being at the wheel. Uh, so hopefully nobody does that with Frank and he gets to stay there. For a long time, and and Frank is absolutely going to be a regular contender 
for Bell End of the Week because he's going to say a load of stupid things because that's what he does. But the best part of it all is, like, he's a huge Tory. And he's coming to manage in the city of Liverpool. <laughs> you know what? He can get away with work? that at Chelsea. He can get away with it at Derby for saying stupid things, right? Yeah. No one gives a shit. At Everton, he won't get away with... There won't be this. a clean bed sheet on the blue side of nope. Liverpool. They're going Come to have on. all sorts scrawled all over them. It's tremendous. It really is tremendous. What a mess. Uh, and like, this, this, this is, is going why it's... Gig. You know, when, when you, when you, whenever you have like a minor frustration, and there can only ever really be minor frustrations with our club and, and whatever, you do just need to look across Stanley Park and you see an owner that knows nothing about football that basically spunked 400 million on a load of shit players, none of whom are going to be at the club in a couple of years. Their two best players, Richarlison and, and Calvert Lewin, will almost certainly want to leave within the next six to 18 months. The The stadium is going nowhere. We're, I don't know, 40 years into the process of them building a stadium and they still only have a picture of a stadium. Oh no, I, I'm wrong. They don't just have a picture. They have a video of an artist's impression of a drone flying through the stadium. And here is your Everton fact of the day. Everton's best ever Premier League season was the 0405 season, where they finished fourth. Now, ignoring the fact that they got knocked out in the qualifiers for the Champions League, they finished fourth with a negative goal differential. Do you know how bad you have to be to finish fourth with a negative goal differential? Only one other club has ever finished top four in the Premier League era with a negative goal differential. That was Norwich in the very first season. They finished third with like minus three or something. But they scored like 20 goals more than Everton did. Everton finished fourth despite being relatively poor. So that's your Everton factoid of the day. And uh, we can now go back to celebrating the fact that Luis Diaz, it looks like he's had his medical or part of his medical. And uh, we should be getting positive news hopefully this evening. If not this evening, then tomorrow. Is that is who is um who who is this that is the, the LFC? Uh, so the the guy in the background that is the Colombian national team doctor, right? And that is Mister Diaz in the foreground. And the information that we have is that Liverpool haven't actually sent anybody over to conduct the medical. They're going to allow the Colombian national team to do it. Now I don't know if they still do this, but I know for a fact that Porto used to give their players full medicals on the first day of pre-season for insurance purposes. To renew their insurance, every player used to get a full medical on the first day of pre-season. I don't know that they still do that, but if they do, and we have his medical records from them, then we know exactly what his history is. And this would just be to confirm certain formalities. So um, all going well. He will be signed and sealed by tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. that would be so good. And then and probably then, unveiled then, before for the Cardiff, Cardiff game. Yeah, at the yeah, Cardiff yeah. game. Bring Even him out that. at half time. Walk him around. No, he'll play. He'll be back Wednesday. They'll get a big game settled in. Train on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. That's it. Well, he'll probably Set, come back on Wednesday, won't he? So, yeah. Cardiff, by the way, are an abomination. 
Like <laughs> Cardiff, absolutely, Cardiff awful. were the team that he was going to join. This is the beautiful thing I said. Yes, Simon yeah. said to me that he was supposed to join Cardiff when he was nineteen before he went to mm. Porto, but something happened. So it's so weird that he gets his debut in England. Well, the other funny part is that them. he was going to join Everton in the summer. Oh, Everton had so a, basically a deal agreed with Porto for twenty twenty five million and Hammers. And Hamas couldn't agree personal terms with Porto because he wanted his mega wages. And they were like, well, hang on a second. Like, this is Portugal. We, we don't pay 250 grand a week because your name's Hamas Rodriguez. So he pissed off to Qatar or wherever it is he is. And that deal fell apart because Everton couldn't find the extra 5 million to make up the fee. So, you know, the funny thing is, if they'd signed him, Rafa would still be in a job because Diaz would have kept them in mid-table. Rafa's yeah. still be in a job if that deal had gone through. It didn't, and now he's uh, he's signing for, for us. And it, it's obviously worked out very well for us, but you know, even better for him because, well, he, he doesn't have to be one of them, does he? Right. Okay. Marco, any last points from you before we go? It's 80 minutes in now. So uh, conscious to go and get some of the work done, to be honest. Today. I agree. I, <laughs> I, 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 I think... Body 24 hours. <laughs> no, definitely. It's uh, two things. One, um, perfect pod, Gags, because if you think about it, uh, absurd amounts of positivity, but but all, all, all thoroughly justified. Uh, we've had... We've been able to literally throw everyone we adore through the washer, Everton um, in particular, which is which is fantastic. Uh, and um, you know what? Uh, yeah, we, 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 we may just well win the league with this thing. I said it. <laughs> wow. You know what? There's many United fans out there going, why are you fuckers buying another forward? Like, I mean, aren't you scoring enough goals? Um, it's kind of the reason why we want to win everything. This... This the best thing that could have happened to us in the end, and it's such a weird twist of fate, is that that Spurs wanted to buy Diaz. Literally, yes. could become yeah. the best thing yeah. that happened to to this season for us. Is that exactly. this opens up the whole season? Well, he know? turned down Newcastle in this window as well. Well, he you wasn't. Don't, gonna... You don't a player that's best in the league does not. Yeah, he's not going to go there. So, so that's the thing. Like he turned them down. So we knew there was other interest, but he wasn't going to go to Newcastle. So we were still in a kind of, I suppose, a holding pattern. Um, and now, you know, because, you, as you said, Spurs jumped in, we were like, well, no, no. Hang on a second now. He's far too good for you. Uh, I, Owen Hurley won't forgive me if I don't take the opportunity to ask this question. Marco, mm. two minutes on Darwin Nunes. Is he ready for the Premier League this summer? No. I think no, that another year yeah, at Benfica. I definitely think he. Uh, you, you've got to. But Benfica is unfortunately in, in 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 a bit of a shambles at the moment. You you need to consider that uh, Jorge Jesus has just has just been moved on very politely out the door. Uh, this is off the back of the the president, uh, uh, you know, sort of having been arrested for all the awful uh, uh, the, the deals that they were they were filling his bank account. Uh, Rui Costa had to clearly make some. Um, big, big, difficult decisions around how to manage the neg- negativity in the team. Uh, the team effectively, the players uh, did a big mutiny on George Zouj uh, uh, recently. As a result, you've now got an interim coach, Nelson Verissimo, who is just—I mean, it's not 
If Dora Nunes is showing you anything positive, it's just because it's sheer talent and it's got nothing to do with structure or good coaching or anything like that. So uh, I, I think, unfortunately, if unless he goes to England and is sort of tended to under someone who knows what they're doing and, and, and is able to sort of really help him develop, because th- this year is, is effectively write-off. The season's effectively write-off. Uh, most Benfica fans who, who you speak to will, will sort of say that. Mm. Uh, and it's a pity because I think that a lot of his, uh, ironically, compared to last season, last season um, I was very low on him because I just thought he he disappointed. This season was different. He actually showed a, a, a lot of signs of, of why Benfica spent so much money on him. Uh, and and I do think that if if somehow, depending on the kind of player that they, uh, sorry, the kind of coach that they sort of bring in permanently, uh, if, if that coach, I, I, I wish Bruno Lage was still there because I think Bruno yeah. Lage would know exactly how to make good use of him. Um, it's a pity, he's but it is what it is. Wolves, he's done a brilliant. He job is an so excellent far. coach. He is an excellent coach. So, let no one tell you different. The only reason Bruno Lage was was sacked is because of some really dodgy people in the dressing room who are still at Benfica. Um, if you want lots of notes, uh, 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 DME. But but fundamentally, the the I think Dominic Nunes, unfortunately, may be a casualty of that from a development perspective. Having said that, if you did say to me, and I'm not saying Liverpool must do it, I don't think, uh, he, I think he's still too green for it. But if you said to me, would he be, be better off developing under Jurgen Klopp than uh, Nelson Verissimo? Obviously, the answer is yes. So, right, well, I'm just going to take that you saying Liverpool should sign him in the summer, and that's that's fine. Me and me and on her. Benfica lost too much money. Dave, Benfica lost too much money. Benfica, if if go and look what at what happens the when you sign Otamendi and Vertonghen, who are like seventy combined. Otamendi's been good in fairness. Otamendi's been good. Otamendi's been good in fairness. Vertonghen has not. No. Uh, um, someone made a really anyway. good point just just before I know we're we're wrapping up, but someone made a really good point back in the chat about, you know, signing players direct from, from Portugal. And if you do look at the fact that United's best player is Bruno, who they bought directly from, from Portugal. I don't want to talk about Bruno. City bought, but the City bought Ruben Diaz directly from Portugal. Rafinha was only one season removed from Portugal when he yes. landed with Leeds. Like, it's very clear that the Portuguese league is one we need to be looking at heavily as a potential hotbed of talent. It, it always has been, and we've ignored it. But it's the Portuguese league and the French league are, are right there. And yeah. we do look at the French league. So we should be looking at Portugal as well. And, and there is a track record, a recent track record, of players stepping from Portugal into the Premier League, adapting very quickly, and having success. So, you know, again, all positive on Diaz. And um, who asked that question there? Gags, you rudely shushed. My man, Paul Dawkins. No mention of Brian today. Brian lives to fight another day, but, you know, I'm sure there'll be slander in future podcasts. <laughs> I think we've covered oh, all the minutes, Gags. It's, no, it's, no, it's, we, we had to go a whole game. game. Yeah, that, that's it. I think safe to say everybody is very excited about... Um, watching Diaz's first game, whether that means uh, waiting to unleash him on the Brodge. Personally, I am happy to wait to unleash on the Brodge at Anfield because imagine that roar and imagine that bunch of Leicester twats getting shit scared. Uh, Can't wait to um, smash them up, to be honest. But yeah, I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, Marco. Um, you, you might as well be a regular on old school now whenever we date you're back so it'll be the three of us now going forward and uh, as always Dave thanks for uh, 
you know, taking over. <laughs> Giving us a rest. <laughs> That's why you didn't let me on the podcast with Tom or with, with Simon, because you happen, you'd just be end up sitting there like window dressing. There'll be more there'll be more to follow at, at some point. I'll I'll uh, uh, I, I I just I, I needed to let Dave have the sandbox because he was on form today. But uh, that'll change. Well, you need to get back on more podcasts. That's my final word on this. You need to get back on more podcasts because Anfield Index is better when Marco Lopez is part of it. So don't leave it so long next time, buddy. Too kind, gents. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. And um, you know what? To everybody, we're going through a big evolution at the moment on AI Pro, um, as you may have seen on Twitter and in Discord, which really is the main place to keep in touch with us. You can always email us as well and, and, and get, get subscribing to the newsletter. You'll get the latest news of what's happening on the channel there as well. But really, uh, Discord is the place to be. Come and join us, uh, amfieldindex.com forward slash Discord. It's a, it's a community that's really going to be geared up for our subscribers. There will still be some free parts of it um, to talk about the games and stuff. I think Dave's pods, things like that. Those will be all on the free side. But really, we're going to start shifting everything out into a VIP section. And uh, if you want to be part of the community, that's where you're going to want to be. And that's where you know we, we really appreciate and value the community that we've built here uh, on AI Pro. And these pods are all going out now on the free side too. So that Anfield Index channel, the old one that um, Nina and uh, Trev and the uh, you know the Anfield Index podcast guys have been holding up really nicely is now going to get a big boost with all of the content going onto it. So Dave, me, Marco, you're going to get to be, you're going to be hearing all of the old all of the old voices regularly. I mean, Dave's probably regular everywhere else anyway, but as in on the AI podcast channel and there's going to be darth and sai and rosie every single podcast is back for free but with adverts if you don't want the ads you go and join ai pro amfordinless.com forward slash join and um you know you get everything ad free and you get to be part of the vip areas on discord and you know that's exactly what we're trying to do and build now we want to get the um the shows out there to a larger audience that's what we're trying to do. We're going on the free side. And uh, hopefully you get annoyed enough with the ads to come and join us on Pro. But if you listen and you talk to anyone that is a Pro member and is in Discord, they'll tell you how good that this um, this community is. We have a really good laugh. We take the piss out of each other. We have a lot of banter. But there's a lot of respect for each other as well. And on top of that, this show that we just recorded was live. We're going to be trying to push every single show, as many as we can, as is possible, to go live as well and be in Discord for people. So basically, there's so many things. You could just be listening to a live show and literally every single one nearly being live now is going to be fantastic for those that are in Discord as well. They don't have to wait for the pod. They can listen. If they miss some of it, they can go. You can watch it. You can listen live while you're walking, running, sitting at work. You'll be able to do whatever you want because Discord allows you to on your apps and on your desktops as well. So lots of still positives, lots of positives still. And um, the community is still growing. Thanks to people like Dave and uh, Trev, everyone who's been putting a lot of hard work in as well, the whole, the whole load of you know our our podcast community, podcaster community, for example, have been putting a shift in all the last two three years, putting content out after you know so much so much going on, and now it's going to be out to listen to for everyone, and that's you know great for them and great for us. So. 
Thank you once again for all those that have supported. This is the evolution of AI. I really hope you stick with us and I really hope you help us grow further. And um, I honestly see the benefits of what we're doing and I hope you do too. But um, yeah, once again, thank you for the support and uh, we'll be back very, very soon. Uh, It'll be under pressure next. Under pressure on Diaz. How exciting is that? If you haven't caught all the other stuff that we've done, uh, Dave's been doing, I think, Dave, you did something on your daily show as well on AI. You did some Diaz uh, propaganda there. I did. I did. I, and I turned the second half of uh, Friday's Two-Footed into uh, Luis Diaz propaganda as well. And uh, I will continue to do so. And you best believe that when he scores his first goal, it's gonna be uh, there'll be more and more propaganda to come. But yeah, it's... It's exciting. There's there's lots of new stuff uh, on the books with myself and, and Brother Downey, the new podcast from the two of us. First episode is out, talking about the football men by Simon Cooper. So uh, give that one a listen. I think that's going to be really good. Uh, we're going to do like a season of them where there'll be like 10 or 12 episodes. And then for season two, what we might try and do is get the authors of the books we've discussed in season one to come on. It's just about logistics with that, but we'll wait and see what happens. Absolutely. And a lot of people have been waiting for a long time. Under pressure is going to be <laughs> coming free, folks. So, yeah, you've got something to look forward to. So, yeah. must be rubbing his hands together at the fact that Luis Diaz doesn't really seem to get injured and plays about 50-odd games a season. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Robust players. Bring them all on, please. <laughs> Let the fun begin. We're in for a great five months of this season now and uh, let's hope we're all as excited as this when it's coming into May because that would be something (sighs) goosebumps man goosebumps anyway once again thank you Marco thank you Dave Um, make sure you catch all the content we've done it's under pressure next we hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically there's nothing quite like fan engagement And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.